Chris Kauser here with Matt Howell. And this week on The First Run, we face one of the great questions of our time. Why is sci-fi usually such a bummer? Who knows? But we get up, get up another heaping helping of it via Gareth Edwards with the creator. Then, because Chris likes to push me ever closer to the edge, we burn away another couple hours of our lives with Saw X. I refuse to call it Saw 10. On this show, it is Saw X. We give you our rundown of the big physical media releases, give you our straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week, then kick off spooky season proper with our recommendations for horror movies you can stream right now. So let's get a glimpse of yet another possible doomed future with the creator. Shipley, it's Howell. Answer the phone. Shipley, I know you're there. Colonel. Taylor, where's Shipley? I'm with him right now. He's in, he's in pretty bad shape. All right, listen to me. Did you locate the weapon? Yeah, it's, it's here. I'm with it. Describe it. It's a kid. It, it's, it's a kid. They make it into some kind of kid. It, that, that's the weapon. What? Colonel, I can't reach you. You have to bring it to me. Do you understand? No, Shipley can't move. I mean, he's, he's not looking good at all. Police are everywhere. I don't know how I'm getting out right now. I, I don't even have an extra strategy right then now. Then you know what you have to do. Kill it. Whoa, but it's... Matt, it's a kid. A kid. Air quotes. Matt, what is the creator all about? It's the near future. We've developed AI. Always is. Uh, always is. And again, we've messed with AI. And guess what? The AI, stop me if you've heard this before, dropped a nuke on Los Angeles. And the U.S. government's like, no, not on our, not on our watch. And has decided, along with its rest of its Western allies, I assume that means Europe, decides to outlaw AI. But apparently in Asia, or at least in a new country in Asia, they've said, you know what? We're cool with AI. We're going to... We're going to live together in harmony. And um, that's just not, that's not, the U.S. is just not going to get down with that. So they declare war. Apparently they find out there's a super weapon that uh, John David Washington has to go destroy. And of course, it looks like a kid and his paternal instincts kick in and he chases, he runs away from all the forces trying to get a hold of this kid in an effort to protect it and get back to his wife. There you, go. there you go. Matt, AI is all the rage right now, mm-hmm. right? Everybody's freaking out about AI and chatbots and uh I don't know, Matt. What do you what do you you're talking about the other day, the whole sex robot thing you're all excited about? I can't remember. Uh regardless. Yeah. Chris. <laughs> regardless. You know, I am looking for AI when it could convincingly replace me on if I want to take a night off, be like, hey, AI, you edit the show. And there, boom. That is a fantastic use of AI instead of having one of us do it. And I'm not against AI in, you know, in theory, depending on how it's employed, right? Then sure, it's regardless. Let's focus on this, Matt. So the, <laughs> Gareth Edwards, um, who I, I think I constantly confuse with, um, was it Garth Evans all the time? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, always, I find their uh, names interchangeable. But he did Rogue One, which I think is a pretty successful Star Wars film, at least of the new batch, right? right? Yep. And uh, he kind of cut his teeth there on Monsters, which is a super low-budget horror film basically done with tricks, uh, which is pretty darn effective. And I listen, I like Godzilla. I, I like his Godzilla film. Mm-hmm. So we got some heady sci-fi, I guess, heady concepts. I, I don't know. I don't know, Matt. And, but I think... We also have John David Washington coming off of, you know, uh, Tenet, where he was, I think, what what we were less than impressed. Yeah. He was what I would call serviceable in Tenet. So, yeah. And um, you know what? I didn't see Malcolm and Marie, I got to admit. And I didn't see Beckett, which was a Netflix film. We did see uh, Amsterdam. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think the term is low praise we have for that, not high. Faint praise. So, Matt, the creator, again, do we have like a new benchmark for sci-fi? Is this like Blade Runner type of uh, stuff where we're creating this world and 
these fantastic effects and this really riveting story. And then, because I'm going to say it may have been a mistake, as we've talked about a few times now, to hook any kind of emotional core mm. on John David Washington. Right. Was he able to pass that sacred Tatum line at this point with you? Man. Do we have, like I said, a new Blade Runner? What, what are we talking about with the, with the creator? So, the creator is an interesting film. It's an original property, which we are Good. champions of. That's a plus. It's a big plus. It looks pretty good. I mean, I think yep. visually it's a it's a pretty, you know, good looking film. The shots are, have some really cool action scenes. The shots are really cool. And, you know, it's got good world building. Like, I believe that there's a lot of thought in this world. And I think it's a really interesting world to explore. However, I think the delivery and the the actual exploration of that world is very derivative it's very it shares a lot of the same story beats of things that we've seen a lot of i think john david washington or <laughs> i think john david is uh i think he's i think he's he's passable i think he's fine but he doesn't light up the screen i mean he's not any kind of charismatic character in this that really drives this thing along and I think at its the main problem with this film, beyond it being derivative, is that for a film that's about humanity and and, hum, and the human core and the human experience, it's really lacking in that department. It, it really doesn't, at least for me, grab me at that kind of emotional level that I think you need for this film. And when it tries to, it kind of takes the cheapest emotional trick way to get there. I think that's exactly right. When the film ended, Matt, I, my first thought was, well, that was not great. Now, I will say it's interesting, but I don't think it's ever really exciting. Mm. Now, I'll say the effects are top shelf. I mean, they're the cat's pajamas as far as I'm concerned, right? <laughs> but you can't hang your emotional hopes on Washington. You can't. It's it's just a disaster waiting to happen. Well, maybe a, a tepid, nonplussed disaster, really. <laughs> like when you're making brownies and you're supposed to put in the almond butter before the cocoa powder, but you do it the other way around. It doesn't really ruin everything, but it's just not going to come out quite right. And you're not going to get what you're looking for. And it's just kind of frustrating. And he's all right, well, I'm just, we're just going to move on. So, but that's it. I think it's, I just get no emotional investment out of him on screen. I saw continue. To not have that happen. I think the kid he's working with is better mm. than that. Mm. I think I actually get some real emotional investment from the kid than I do him. And the whole story is about him kind of coming to terms with the loss of his love and his child. And finding new purpose in the world. In a world that he's given up on. And it's, But it's, it's not really there. But I, I like the science fictiony elements i think the city block size tanks mm -hmm. are like totally awesome bro <laughs> you know i think those were a lot of fun and entertaining and i like i think that the simulant effects look hyper realistic mm -hmm. i think i was really impressed with that the fact that i think this thing cost 80 million to make it's pretty impressive this that science those i mean those those effects are like they're really good and i look at something like the flash and i'm like what the hell are we doing right and it's just the core of it, like you said, the emotional core of it, you can't get blown out emotionally by the kid. And Washington does. I don't know what it is, man. Even like when he cries, he doesn't come off as emotionally invested in what he's doing. And there's a, at the beginning when they're at the beach house, I was like, all right, I'm buying this. Mm -hmm. This works. Him and Gemma Chan's character, I think this is okay. But I think then. Edwards loses kind of track of everything and he gets too focused on spectacle. Like he's blending real life surroundings with these fantastical effects and everything looks fantastic, but he loses track of the emotional core of the film. And then the other thing too, like I said, it's just, it's not that exciting. Right. It really isn't thrilling in any capacity. We kind of just move on from set piece to set piece and the ending, the big triumphant conclusion itself is just kind of like, okay right yeah it's over now yeah 
Again, Good. because you didn't have any emotional connection with it. And I don't know if it's fair to John David Washington being the Nepo baby that he is that mm. the 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 family member that he's riding that nepotism on is like one of the most charismatic actors ever. And like you, it's hard to separate that. You hear that name, you hear that he's Denzel's kid and he did not get any of that kind of natural charisma that his father did. And I hate to say it. Like I, I feel bad saying it like who the, who the F am I, you know, some, you know, mid forties dude in his house in Connecticut doing nothing. As yeah, far but as, I mean, you are very charming oh, and disturbingly you. handsome. Oh, thank you. So. I appreciate that. I mean, on a, yeah. on a scale, right? I mean, I'm like the one a, I'm like the one B on this show. If you know, <laughs> you're a Connecticut a in an LA four. That's right. Exactly. Well, guess, there you right? go. Yeah. That's, that's fair enough. Um, Tampa six, but uh, <laughs> sure. I, I don't know. Like, I, I appreciate the effort. I think mm-hmm. Edwards takes his swing. He takes his shot. I think he, this is his first chance to, in a while, you know, outside of monsters to make a film that's wholly his own, that he co-wrote, he directed, he produced. And it's a little too much for him. I think he, this could have used a little bit more time cooking, maybe a few more rewrites. I read somewhere that his initial cut that he turned in was five hours long. Um, So it makes you wonder what in that story that he wanted to tell in that five hour cut, how can you excise more than three hours and come up with something that's, you know, coherent and compelling and all of that stuff. I think it's a kernel of, of, Something that could have been more here, but unfortunately, underwhelming. Which I think is what we thought we were going to get when we first started seeing this, right? Yeah, I think that's accurate. It's too bad. It's I think the world building, like I said, in this is pretty is pretty good. It's just that the rest of it doesn't really come together. And uh, I guess supposedly the guy who plays his friend, uh, John Strittle Simpson, who is the one he goes to visit, who has the relationship with the... Um, Simulant. Simulant, yeah. thank you. I will keep wanting to say replicant, and I know that's not right. That was supposed to be Danny McBride, oh. but he had to bow out wow. to uh, due to scheduling conflicts. That would have been hilarious. I don't know if I could have taken. <laughs> I don't know if in a good way either. I don't know if I could have taken Danny McBride. Like I could have separated. Danny McBride plays. You know what's his name in Eastbound and Down? Kenny. Kenny Powers. Kenny Powers. He plays Kenny Powers. Every role is Kenny Powers, and I don't know if I could separate that as much as I enjoy it. Could this have been improved, Matt, with an R rating instead of a PG-13? Maybe if they pushed the violence a little bit, or uh, maybe we got some, like, full hog from uh, John David Washington? What do you think? Uh, I mean, it couldn't have hurt. I don't see how it could have hurt, because then you would have been able to really lean into kind of the more morally questionable slash horrific aspects of what we may do to AI. It's something that we don't think is you know, sentient or real and what they may be doing to us. Like, I think you could really hype up the kind of disturbing stakes that they want you to kind of invest in when they're saying, oh, it could be the end of humanity. And it's like, okay. I mean, you get that story from Alice and Janney's Colonel Howell or whatever, but, and I, I sold that, but that's the kind of thing you would, I think you need to see in order to, you know, really kind of get involved in the stakes here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are kind of touches on some political stuff too. You know, with U.S. imperialism, when they have the full reveal of what actually happened with the nuclear war and all that kind of stuff. Right? There are some, you know, condemnations. Uh, is that condemnations? I, regardless, that's I think the fourth time I've said regardless. So that's fine. Uh, still, they're, they're, again, he's yeah, like you said, Matt. I think we need a couple more rewrites. We need to kind of edit down. And I think I wonder about the. Um, the R rating is because there's a scene where in order to get into a super secret room, they need like a, a, a scan of a face for somebody. And then there's like a implicit act of like really disturbing violence there. But the next thing we know, we're like, it, it feels like we've cut like two minutes ahead. Right. We're all of a sudden now in the room yeah. or, that we're supposed to get into. It, it, it's just an awkward kind of cut. But those... And I'm wondering if that initial scene was a little more graphic or uh, I don't know. But the whole movie is filled with awkward cuts. It's just like yeah. flashbacks, flash forwards, jump around. It's just, I don't know. It's its just a pacing mess. Absolutely. Matt, what are you going to give the creator? 
So after all that shitting on it, I'm going to give it a C plus as an original sci-fi property that I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the visuals. I think it's one of those things that despite all its flaws, maybe I would buy it if it was super cheap and just as kind of a, a an artifact of what, uh, of, of sci-fi that didn't quite work. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have it as a C myself. Mm. Like I said, it's, I think maybe you should, check it out just for the visuals and the effects. I don't know if it could, I don't think it's not going to be one of those that eventually kind of establishes any kind of cult classic status Maybe. or anything there. I just don't think, I don't know. But I mean, reading some of these reviews, some people really loved it. Some people just, and if maybe that's going to be you, some more power to you, check it out, give it a chance. Maybe you'll really like it or maybe you'll realize how we're the best critics on the, on the web and uh, agree with us. So how's it doing? Let's see here. Not well. Ooh. 35.3 million globally as of now. And yeah, like I said, it cost 80. That's, uh, it makes me nervous because part of me, would, I wish that would it would be just a little tick better and then get a wider audience so we could continue to see this original uh, IP stuff in the theaters right. instead of having to wait for the next, you know, whatever the case it's going to be. So the next, oh, I don't know, Saw film. I have no idea. Or Exorcist film, DCU, EU film. We'll find out about all that. Yeah, let's talk about Exorcist next week. But uh, if you get a chance to see the creator, it's currently streaming. Streaming. It's currently playing in theaters. Uh, You can check it out now and shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, I feel like I'm a little flat. So I'm going to go run around the house real fast where this next clip plays and kind of bring up my energy a little bit. Let's Let's go. And let's talk about what's coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday. October 10th, and this is supposed to be delivered to my house Tuesday, and I cannot wait. Hi, Megan. Oh, so you're not going to play with me? You don't want to play, huh? I don't care. You're just a stupid rubber doll with fake hair. Let go! You need to learn some manners, Brandon. <laughs> you know what happens to bad boys that don't mind their manners? They grow up to be bad men. <laughs> Are you listening to me, Brandon? <laughs> Megan? This is the part where you run. Oh, that Megan sounds like a badass, Matt. So Megan is getting released in 4K. You want to talk about also people, too, that have almost like negative charisma for me. Allison Williams is one of those, too. I'm not sure. But at least Allison Williams is in films that you really like. Yeah, that's true. Is she a Nepo baby? Of course she is. Of course she is. Yes, of course she is. So... 4K release for Megan. Why I'm excited is because it's one of the few times I'm excited for a steelbook. It's coming in from Best Buy. It's one of those ones that I, I just like. It looks like a basically like a box of Megan, and you open it up. There's like a blueprint and a little booklet of how to, I guess, work her or something like that as well. It's it's neat little things. So uh, I'm excited to pick that one up here. Includes uh, Dolby Atmos. It's only an HDR presentation, though. It's like no Dolby Vision, apparently. So um, that's a little disconcerting, but that's fine. What else, Matt, is coming up here? Number five! Creepy Crawly is being released by Welgi USA. That's Welgo USA. When travelers arrive in Thailand during the pandemic, Matt, they must quarantine for 14 days at a hotel run by a secretive manager and staff. Unusual incidents begin at night, but no one is prepared, Matt, for the shocking horror of 100-legged monsters taking over the bodies of guests and spawning an army of deadly centipedes. Now, this is right up my alley. I really hate like bug monster movies and I have that weird phobia. What is it called? Even now thinking about it, it gives me the creeps. I think cause I first saw it like in a sponge or something like under, under the ocean or something had a lot of holes in it. And then like little eels or worms come out of the holes. Mm. Whenever I see something like that, and I guess there's some kind of infection people can have with an infestation Great. where it comes out. Awesome. And that, Makes me like physically nauseous. <laughs> so, if we had little centipedes coming out of people as hatching and all that, yeah, no, that's pass. What else coming up, Matt? Oh, God, I don't want to, let's move on. Four. 
Ben Kingsley stars in Jules, a uh, trailer I saw in the movies a couple times now, but it seems to be just going straight to video after all, where he plays Milton. He lives a quiet life and routine uh, in, a, in a small western Pennsylvania town, but finds his day upended when a UFO and its extraterrestrial passenger crash lands into his backyard. Includes a feature on the making of the film. Did you see this one where he's like at the town hall and he says, oh, by the way, aliens landed in my backyard. But he's very kind of like mm-hmm. flat about it and stuff. All right, well, now's your big chance, I guess. I don't know. Get three coffins ready. Uh-huh. Transformers, Matt, Rise of the Beast is being released as well. There's going to be a steelbook on that. Did you ever watch this new Transformers? I did. I, I did it was that. on Paramount Plus and I did sit down and check it out. It's it's not good. I mean, it's it's... You know, Bumblebee is still the high watermark of that series, but it's better than the later Michael Bay entries by far. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, it does have a Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos audio track, uh, and a whole bunch of features on the making of the film, some extended deleted scenes as well. So, if you're a big uh, Transformers pal, then this one's for you. Looks like we're shy one horse. <laughs> you brought two too many. Matt, Hardboiled 2, The Last Blood, is being released by, excuse me, on Blu-ray, directed and written by Jing Wong, also known as Hardboiled 2, Police Protectors in 12 Hours of Terror. After Red Army terrorists critically wound a high priest, Matt, they try and kill all the possible donors of the Holy Leader's rare blood type. This is just a, I think it's a Japanese action film. And then finally, Matt, your number one. There can be only one! The Boogeyman, which we saw earlier this year, is being released on Blu-ray. includes a feature called Into the Darkness as well as Outtakes, based on the Stephen King short story. I think we... It was pretty good, yeah, it was pretty right? Good. I think we enjoyed it yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah, So you can pick that up on Blu-ray, Matt. Other 4K releases. Criterion is putting Videodrome, Cronenberg's classic film, unfortunately featuring James Woods. Uh, gives two audio commentaries. A short film from 2000 called Camera by Cronenberg. A short documentary about him, uh, a bootleg video called The Complete Footage of Samurai Dreams and Seven Minutes of Transmissions from Videodrome, presented in their original unedited form. And then uh, Fear on Film or On Table Discussion from 82 with Cronenberg, as well as Carpenter, John Landis, and McGurris. Also coming out in 4K, Matt, A Bronx Tale, uh, Rosemary's Baby, which features one of the worst cover arts I've seen in a very long time, Snow White, uh, as well as a, a 100th Anniversary Steelbook edition of that. The uh, cult classic Pumpkinhead, featuring Lance Hendrickson. Friday the 13th is a steel book. And then Contempt, uh, Jean-Luc Godard's film featuring Bridget Bardot. It's getting a 4K release, Matt. Halloween Trilogy is getting a steel book release from Best Buy. You get all three films in one pack. And then in 4K, because you demanded it, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey gets a steel book release from Walmart. Uh, so I have Xfinity as my ISP. That I get Peacock as part of my package. It's on Peacock. I'm gonna watch that this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> You're straight to DVD pick of the week, Matt. I went with Slaughter Beach. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Slaughter Beach, Matt, where the water is cool, the sun is hot, and the fish hooks are razor sharp. When beach bums Ralph and Barry are down on their luck in a job search, they decide to become vigilantes to track down a crazed fisherman who is terrorizing their coastal town. Can these two wannabe superheroes tackle the problem before the whole town becomes fish food? Featuring award-winning gore effects from Isabel Ezel, who did uh, Trauma Queen for FX, and killer music tracks from Station, The Jasons, and Skatoon Network. Be sure to wear lots of sunscreen, Matt, and suit up for splatter hijinks with the Defender Benders as they try and foil Fishman Sam's Tsunami of Terror in this tongue-in-cheek tribute to the Golden Age of Slashers that'll leave you... Dead in the water. Oh, man. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? So I'm going to recommend some things. I'm going to go a little out of the box here. I'm going to recommend some things that I haven't seen yet. But I'm very interested to see, and I want you to watch them, and then I want you to give me your opinion on them. First up on Netflix is a new film uh, starring Benicio Del Toro, or Benicio the Bull in English, is uh, Reptile. Stars Alicia Silverstone, where he plays a cop on the hunt for a killer. Also questionably has Justin Timberlake in it, but it looks interesting, so I will check it out. The other thing, as to tie into my esteemed co-host's other show, is that John Carpenter next week is releasing a new anthology series called Suburban Horrors or Suburban Terrors um, mm-hmm. that uh, is coming out next week. Apparently, it's a non-fiction documentary type anthology series weird but uh, i'm interested in checking it out 
This is absolutely fascinating. That's good, man. I don't. I I I heard he had something coming up, but I don't. I wasn't sure what it was all about. Mm. So that's. Uh, where, where where is that one? Uh, on, on, on that one is exclusively on Peacock. Oh, all right. Well, I let my Peacock thing elapse because. I got a deal where it was like 20 bucks for the year. Sure. And I'm like, well, I'll pay that. That's fine. But now they wanted me to pay like 10, 15 bucks. And I'm like, a month. Hard pass. Yeah. What are you going to do too? So uh, Disney's jacking up their prices. Netflix says once the actors strike, there's rumors once the acting strike is over, over they're going to jack up their prices as well. Right. I'm like, for what? Right. I guess Stranger Things is what I would watch. Yeah. And I'm going to start hopping. I think is what I'm going to do. Yeah. I don't know. So I'm very much the frog in the pot. So like they only raise it like a couple, like a couple bucks. And then it's kind of like, all right, if I'm being honest, can I not afford an additional, you know, $20 a year or whatever, $24 a year, but we'll see. And I will see what my breaking point is. I haven't quite reached there yet, but I'm sure I'll get there eventually. Yeah. All right. We'll see how that goes bastards all right matt let's go ahead where are we let's close out the show no we're not closing out the show we're going to talk now for a few minutes uh, i gotta start drinking again i don't know what my problem is i can't focus when i'm sober let's t- we'll talk about the uh, torture i put matt through which is the kind of traps i set up from this time with saw 10 you motherfucker help help oh, you're all you brought me into this. You brought me into this. Get it. You get it, Abby. Oh, no. I'm not the one addicted to Roxy, am I? Gabriella's next. What? Sometimes we get sucked into things that are against our nature. Drugs are as vicious as they are powerful. We all have free will. Gabriella had her own free will. And if you can't handle this, how will you handle the rest of our work? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Matt, John Kramer's dead. All right? So how do we have a new Saw film that takes place years after he's died how do we do that folks we have what's i guess what would be a is it a prequel it's it, this takes place between saw and saw 2 all right so kramer knows he's got terminal brain cancer and he uh is in this support group meets a nice fella and says uh says yeah i'm, I'm dying it's not going to be great and then uh, this guy runs into him uh, a little while later that's not really established and he ended up being cured by this really kind of controversial uh therapy this drug cocktail matt that's not approved in the states you know how that goes and so he gives him the guy's number and then he gets involved in this trial this thing he goes down there gets some surgery to see if he's going to be okay if they can actually cure his cancer now we know in the later soft films obviously it doesn't happen so how, what happens well matt here's the thing it's all a scam which gives jigsaw an opportunity to lay down some frontier justice and set up his classic traps to allow people to, you know, what change their lives for the better, I guess, by sawing off their leg. However, that works. Matt, all right. I am not a fan of this franchise. Last Halloween, I basically watched them all because they were on Max and, uh, they had the uh, unrated versions on Max too, which I was very excited about. So I watched them all, and they do get progressively worse. And then they do also start to have this really kind of sick, kind of, I call it what, vomit green tint to them, especially the last few entries. And then Kevin uh, Grudert, who directed Saw 6 and Saw 3D, not good films, uh, returns. For Saw X, I'll do you the favor, Matt. I will honor your wishes and call it Saw X. So he returns for this film. And my question for you, Matt, is I'm going to say, not only is this not horrible. Mm. Don't say it. Is it, actually, is it actually good? No, it's not. It's not actually good. But as much as I'm loathe to admit it, Socks, as, as I'm now calling it, Socks, is, the, is <laughs> not as bad as I expected it to be to me. It's a, it's one of those horror films 
that is just teetering on the edge of incompetence and but somehow it just keeps it keeps its head above water doesn't do anything great Mm -hmm. it's just well made enough to where you can forgive it its sins and you begrudgingly are entertained by it now you're not gonna love it i didn't love it this didn't make a convert out of me But I've seen a lot of horror films and I've seen a lot of bad horror films, which unfortunately is most of the genre. And I can't lump it in with like the worst of those horror films. And it's not even the worst. I would say it's towards the top of a very mediocre franchise. So take all that faint praise as you can, but that's about as much as I can muster. I will not say that it's good though. Absolutely not. Oh, come on. You want you want to like this. You like are trying to convince yourself to like this modern horror franchise. It's well, listen. It's the best one since the first one. Okay. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hands down, it is. I think one of the keys why this one works so much better than the other ones is the fact that we dispense with the relentlessly kind of needlessly complicated clue-like reveals of everything mm. how twisted everything got the last few films with the with the cop there played by costas mandalore right it, it's just it was so dense and ridiculous and didn't make an ounce of sense if you thought about any of it for a second and what we do instead is that we focus on kramer instead we focus on tobin bell's character and he I think he's actually pretty good in this. I think he delivers his best performance of the series. I think it's helped by its longer than usual buildup. I think it's good that we don't have to deal with the victims in flashbacks like we did in a bunch of the films. That somebody wakes up on trap and then stuff gets slowly revealed as to what happened through like a fault. We didn't have to do that here. We kind of get it the ball rolling right away. Like it does have a bit of a slow buildup. Is there blood here? Is there gore here? Yes, yes. So if you're a Saw fan and that's what you're about, you're going to get that. You're going to be fine. But I think clearly that uh, Gruder feels that we need to actually help create some stakes this time. And I think he does that pretty successfully. And I think by branching this between the first two films... I think kind of helps that too, because we can bring, can bring back Bell. We can bring back Shawnee Smith, though I think she is a bit shortchanged in this. I think she is right, basically regulated to being literally just the help in this film. When she kind of had a more expanded role in the last few films, just not really done very well. And for the first time ever, I'm kind of interested in seeing another Saw film. Oh, Chris. It's the first time I've ever said that. Oh, Chris. Because I, if we can find another way to work Kramer in here, then I'm potentially interested in that. But it does put just for me into stark relief that killing him off in the third film was a mistake. Mm. It clearly was. So it's, I don't know. I just like that we had a film that had a plot that made sense. It didn't have that puke green tint over the entire proceedings. Is its final act a bit preposterous? Absolutely. <laughs> but everything before that I think works and works pretty well. Mm. So I gave Saw X a B minus. Yeah, so folks, I want you to go back and go back 20 minutes. For a Saw film. Go back 20 minutes and listen to Chris discuss the creator. Now skip forward another 20 minutes and listen <laughs> to Chris discover the the high points of this film that the plot makes sense the absolute bare minimum that you should expect from any film and that it doesn't have mm-hmm. a puke green tint those are two of its selling points honestly if this is your bag if you like the saw films you're gonna like this you may even give this like a five stars a plus rating because it chris is right i mean it is by far the best film in this franchise from the first one. But for me, as someone who loathes this franchise with all of his human being, that is such a low hurdle to cross. Like it is, it is fine. Mm -hmm. It is fine. I'm going to give this the correct grade of (laughs) a C. 
And honestly, that's saying a lot for a soft film. Listen, I agree with you. And I'm grading this on a steep curve. FD. All right. This is in the Saw universe, in this genre, particular <laughs> corner of horror. Sure. This is a B minus. Right. If you want to stack this up against the creator, I, you know, I don't know. I was more riveted and interested in Saw 10 than I was with Crater. I'll be perfectly honest with you about that. I think there's this is a Saw grabs you more, I think, than the creator does. So what you're saying is we should have replaced John David Washington with Tobin Bell. Like he should have been the main character. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yes, <laughs> it's exactly. A vibrant and feisty 80 right. Tobin hey, Bell. You know yes. what? It's the future. They can do amazing things. <laughs> So, but no, it's a, it's a B minus on a steep, steep curve. Mm. All right. Independently of that, like I had to compare this to some of the films we've watched this year, then of course it's a C minus film at, at, at its very best mm. for me, I think. But in this particular corner of the horror universe, in this genre, then yes, it's it's a it's a B minus film for me. Absolutely. The last holdout series of the torture porn genre that thankfully has collapsed from its popularity. And disappeared. Now, is it fair? There are people who will push against you with that torture porn moniker. They don't think it's that's uh, quite accurate for the Saw films. Mm-hmm. Why not? There's more. There's more to it than that about the whole morality plays and all the other stuff. I mean, about. I guess, but I, I think isn't you could say hostile as a morality play as well. I mean, you know, people behaving badly, getting a comeuppance, but then also turning a comeuppance on the people who are even worse, kind of thing. I mean, how is that any different as opposed to, you know, the, what's the word, the, the complicated D&D traps version. This is basically like a trap in a Dungeons and Dragons game. Something that you would find yeah. in a video game and have to work your way out of it. Yeah. There's a couple ones, too. Like, there's a couple of traps. I'm like, oh, I could, I could get out of that one. Like, the one the guy breaks his hand, the fingers. Yeah. Like, why do you just yeah, crank it all at once? Just real yeah, fast. Just exactly. Like, ripping off a Band-Aid. And you're out. Yeah. That one I didn't get at all. That was yeah. I don't. I can't. I guess spoilers. I I could. I don't think I could saw off my leg yeah. and then jam that thing. In. No, that's not happening. I'm gone on that one. Yeah, like if you saw off your leg, your femoral artery is right there. You're gonna bleed to death. I, well, but you do the tourniquet. I know, right? but still, it's. <sighs> See, here we are trying to apply logic to a saw franchise. Look what you've done to us. <laughs> Tobin Bell. Get a chance to see <laughs> Saw 10, or as some people like to call it, Saw X. Or Socks. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, then shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. It is currently playing in the theater. In the cinema. Mm-hmm. Theater with an R-E at the end, not an E-R. Theater. Matt, let's give the kids at home, uh, let's tell them, let's give them some streaming picks here. So it's the spooky season. Though, listen, you should watch horror all year round. But still, let's give you some stuff you can check out right now that's on your favorite streaming services. I mean, I just rewatched this um, last week, and it still holds off like gangbusters. In fact, I think it's a film you've revisited a few times. Okay. I think it's one of your favorites of the past five, ten years or so. All right, so all set. Uh, matinee tomorrow. Doors at one. You guys are on at three. I texted the Addy. How much? Uh, 350. Nice, your And, um, just so you know, it's mostly boots and braces down there. Skins is some at every shop. What? DMS, sharp? Uh, right wing, or technically ultra left, but not affiliated. Uh, Are your cousins cool? Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't talk politics, but stick with Daniel. I tag along, but he and his girl are coming here to crash. Got a vacuum and shit. So, they're not, like, burning crosses or anything, right? Like, we just play rock? Uh, I'd play earlier stuff. Heavier stuff. All right, there you go, Matt. Put your earlier stuff, you have your stuff. That, of course, is a clip from Green Room, Jeremy, and it's Saulnier. Mm-hmm. I did not know that until I started listening to it with the commentary okay. and he introduced himself. I call him Saulnier all okay. the time. Okay. That's Saulnier because I am an idiot. Well, you didn't, pre- you didn't take French in high school, right? No, I did not. I took Latin mm-hmm. for a year. Okay. How do you like that? Okay. And then um, Italian. Okay. Well, I mean, if you were doing the Latin pronunciation, that's actually pretty close. There you go. So, I know you're a big fan, though, of Green Room, right? What is Saulnier doing? I really like Green Room. Green Room is fantastic. Let me see what he's got. I haven't heard from him in a while. Though I am excited for um, Macon Blair's Toxic Avenger. Have you seen the teaser trailer for that? 
I haven't. No, I know you told me about it, but I, I forgot to go check it out. It looks crazy. All right. He um, he has a film called Rebel Ridge, which is TBA. It's currently in post-production. And um, did I see Hold the Dark? That's the one with Jeffrey Wright. I don't know if I ever saw Hold the Dark. Didn't no, we, 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 did, we did watch. It. We did see Hold the Dark. Yeah. Riley Keel. Oh, yeah, we did. It's just forgettable, which is why we can't remember if we saw it. Yeah. Man, I can't believe I can't remember that at all. Anyway. All right. Actually, I love Blue Ruin. That was the first film I saw mm-hmm. of his. And then Murder Party is pretty good yeah. for a first film. Yeah. But uh, Green Room is just something else, Matt. And Green Room is currently streaming on Max. Such a good So film. if you want to catch up with it again. Now, I own it. So yeah, I can watch it anytime because I'm, I'm a boss like that. But uh, it is streaming on Max. Matt, what should, uh, what's your first streaming recommendation? So to lay out kind of the, the theme of my list, I have a theme in my list. Ooh, look at you. So... If you go back and listen to the shows, we talk about our favorite horror movies. We talk about ones that we really enjoy and we want you to see if you want to... The high points of the genre, if you will. As I mentioned several times on the show, it's like a Peacock sponsor us. Peacock, I was flipping through and they have their Halloween selections. And there were so, so many like video nasties from the eighties. And I said, you know what? That's my list. I am going to give you a bunch of delightfully terrible eighties films that people like Chris and I cut our teeth on that. I think you could still find some enjoyment in. So my number five is the sci-fi masterpiece. I kind of vacillated between two here. Good word. But I'm going to go with this one. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It is about a bunch of eight foot tall alien clowns that are going to eat people and um, try to take over a town using things like cotton candy cocoons and all other implements of clown hilarity for murderous purposes. Yes, it's dumb, but... As you'll see on this list, on many, several inches on this list, it is a lot of campy fun. And I feel like it is a nice 80s cult classic to ease you into this list. So if you're so inclined to watch it, it's available on Shudder, Freebie, Hoopla, Tubi, Pluto, all kinds of free services that you can check out at your leisure. Nice. You know, I have never seen it. Really? That surprises the hell out of me. I always thought it looked ridiculous. It is so ridiculous. I never watched it. It is. It is. It is ridiculous and dumb, but it's ridiculous and dumb, and it's fun at the same time. Is it like? Is it scary at all, or gory at all? Or? Yeah, it's gory. It's not scary. It's it's like a mm-hmm. horror comedy kind of. Okay, I have to get around to it at some point. That's good. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. My number five then on the uh, Criterion Channel is uh, I'm gonna go with pre-code horror. Because I like to recommend some classics. The Island of Lost Souls, mm. based on um, the uh, was Island of Dr. Moreau. But it is a really... It's one of my favorite things about it, and a lot of my films kind of meet this criteria, is that it's just unsettling. Mm. There, it's it's What they're able to do in that pre-code horror stuff is there's just an atmosphere about this film. So what happens is basically you have a a mad scientist who's experimenting and creating kind of like animal human hybrids. And, uh, it is just, I mean, the makeup effects for back then too are really, really good. It doesn't look super, super cheesy though. Some of them do a little bit, but, uh, still it's just the way that it's shot. It's just, the whole thing is just unsettling from the very beginning to the end, you know? And it's one of those films where you can see why, that they kind of put into this kind of code in place where there were certain things you just weren't allowed to do in movies. And it's not like ultra violent or gory or anything like that. Cause again, it's an old, old black and white film, right. but I think why it's so successful is, and I love Matt that I'm blanking on the guy's name. You think I would have written it down? Charles Lawton, Jesus Christ. <laughs> His performance in that as Dr. Moreau it's just really un- otherworldly and off-putting and just creepy. And it's just one of those films that just at the end of it, you're going to be like, oh, I just don't feel right. You know? And uh, that's why that's on my number five. All right. All right. So my number four is a, 
Channel 20 in Connecticut Staple back in the mid to late 80s. Um, it is based loosely on the H.P. Lovecraft story Herbert West Reanimator and it's Reanimator starring genre film all-star Jeffrey Coombs in one of his standout legendary roles. Essentially, he plays a medical student who learns how to bring people back to life. Chased away from his his uh, European university, he decides to retake up ex- experiments in the U.S. and bad stuff ensues. You know, this is kind of one of those, again, legendary 80 films. It's one of those cult classics that I think as you kind of progress through the horror of the 80s, it's something that's going to come up on lists eventually. It's, if for no other reason than it's a very famous scene giving a different definition of giving head uh, that is at the climax of this film. What does he say? Get a job in a sideshow? <laughs> I can't remember what exact quote is. But Reanimator, Brian used to you know, Reanimator is fantastic. I have that in the like the super special edition Blu-ray. I've ha- I've owned that on I think three or four different formats. And it is just an absolute blast of a film. So that's a good one, Matt. My number four then uh, on HBO Max, is, excuse me, Max, is I'm going to give you a two for Matt. And that is The Descent 1 and 2, the first film, and I think the sequel, yeah. which is still really good. It's not as successful. It's not as terrifying. It's not as unsettling as the first film. But as a sequel, uh, and not, not directed by Neil Marshall, he just helped produce it. Um, but it's still very effective. And it does, it focuses on the, I guess it adapts from the U.S. ending. Because in the U.K. ending of Descent, it, it ends very differently right. than, the, than the U.S. version did. I remember watching to see The Descent in the theater with two friends of mine. And afterwards, we were like, what the hell was that? I mean, it was really just, if you haven't seen The Descent, it is terrifying. But its sequel, well, Descent may be an A, Descent 2 for me is a B plus. So uh, don't be scared off by the fact that it's a, uh, a later year sequel. It brings back most most of the, of the original cast. I know if you haven't seen it, that may not make a lot of sense since everybody <laughs> seems to die. Um, there's flashbacks and stuff like that. So there you go. Uh, but still, it's very effective. And as sequels go, it's 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 rock solid. So that's it. Descent and, and then the second one, both on Mac. Interesting. I love The Descent. I've actually actively avoided The Descent too because I love the first one so much and I don't want to sully mm-hmm. it. But I, based on your recommendation, although we know how suspect you are, <laughs> cough, uh, Saw X. Is, that's true. Is, uh, but I will give it a shot and check it out. There you go. All right. Um, so also, uh, I forgot to mention Reanimator. If you want to watch it, Canopy, Shutter. Did you know that Arrow has a streaming service? Weird, but they do. Yep. Uh, also mm-hmm. available on Tubi for free if you can stand the commercials. So it is out there for you to check out. Uh, all right, so my number three. This is a film that somehow inexplicably gets lumped into classic 80s slash- slashers. I don't know why, because there are no slashers in this. This is almost more of a sci-fi horror film where it brings the scourge of suburban America, the mall, and brings the scourge of artificial intelligence into it. Chopping Mall, where a group of 80s youngsters who are all basically insufferable to a single person get locked up in a mall. The mall has, because the 80s is all about robots, a trio of killer robots as their security. And, um, you know, as you do with trespassers, you brutally murder them. And (laughs) so it's, again... Another one of these kind of uh, campy 80s classics. Again, I don't know why this thing gets lumped into slashers because there's no slashers in it at all. But it is a hell of a lot of fun. Scory. It's got a lot of the cheesiness that's uh, endearing when it's an 80s film. So uh, if you're so inclined, uh, it's available on Peacock, Crackle, Pluto, Freebie, all kinds of free services. Look at you. Yeah, no, I love Chopping Mall as a kid. Mm. It was, I think, what may have seared into my mind my affection for the um the is it really just beheadings just head explosions mm. it has one of the best head explosions that you'll see in a film in the 80s is that one and then there's uh scanners right. which is probably the number one right but the chopping mall one though is uh really really good so uh yeah it's a fun dumb entertaining little 80s horror film absolutely my number three then matt is currently streaming on max 
and I believe will be out in theaters this month uh, as part of a deal with uh, AMC and uh, A24 as they put out their Halloween horrors. But Jonathan Glazier's Under the Skin featuring Scarlett Johansson as an alien traveler who comes to Earth to assimilate men Mm. and uh, focuses more kind of just on what I guess loneliness and relationships and what it's like to connect with somebody. But it's also just uh, like 90 plus minutes of just a living, walking nightmare Mm. and uh, also features a fantastic score by Mika Levy. Uh, I I fell in love with her music after uh, watching that film. And it it is just a, it's kind of an abstract kind of horror film. So you kind of got to buckle in sci-fi horror there it's not a typical kind of uh um, slasher or possession or any kind of kind of film like that it's it's just an odd experience too but it is it has stuck with me since so uh yeah that's my theory that's definitely an experience worth checking out it is i love that film a lot of people you're either gonna love it or hate it a lot of people are put off by it or they just don't connect with it but yeah. it's it's it, it sits with you that is a great pick yeah, so if you can't get to the theater when it comes out, you know, then you can watch it on Max. There you, there go. you go. Sorry. No, no problem. Um, all right. So to continue with my 80s, uh, 80s horror-thon, this is one that Chris mentioned a few weeks back on our physical media releases that is being released. Um, it's New York City. That there are a series of murders. And the witnesses, as few as there are, swear up and down that it's a cop. That killed these people. Well, somebody on the force has to go check out and see if there is a, dare I say it, maniac cop on the loose. Well, of course there is. A The first entry in a weirdly... How many maniac cops are there? Three? Four? I think there's three. <laughs> Very good. So, again... A bit of 80s weirdness for you. It's got a kind of the last gasps of kind of gritty, dangerous New York City with coupled with the kind of uh, deranged vigilantism of cops in those 70s films taken to the absolute uh, insane extreme level of it. And it's, again, a good piece of 80s nostalgia for you to dip into a lot more lot less campy a lot more serious but just in its fact that it's trying to be serious is is uh makes it funny in and of itself so it's a good one to check out uh it's available on uh peacock as well as voodoo tubi pluto and uh freebie if you can suffer through ads those are all free man you went the extra mile for the folks there I man. Did. good for you I know. so my two then is Carl Froon's 1932 classic. I think I talked about this just the other week too, The Mummy. Mm. Uh, Boris Karloff plays the uh, Egyptian high priest, Imhotep. And another one too, the film that's all atmosphere. I think it comes in at like a scant, like seven, yeah, 73 minutes. But Karloff is terrifying in this film. And the use of light in this movie is too, is so effective how they shoot Karloff too when he's, not in his mummy form, but when he's in the priest kind of form, the way that you can actually go to Wikipedia, you can see the photo even I'm talking about right now. So, um, but it, out of all the universal horror films, I think the mummy is my favorite. Cause again, it's just all atmosphere and really just foreboding dread throughout. So, and great effects and Karloff is fantastic in it. So yeah, the mummy's my two. All right. And it's on max if I didn't say. Very nice. All right. So my number one is one I think we mentioned Last week or the week before as a, again, a physical media release, Night of the Demons, about a group of idiot teenagers who break into a a crematorium and decide to hold a seance and release a demon that is, of course, trapped within those walls and it possesses one of them and then takes out the once friends one by one. It rolls in 80s monster movie effects, the idiocy of teens, along with the satanic panic of the 80s into a rollicking good time of 80s gory cheese. Available for your viewing pleasure on Peacock, AMC+, Tubi, Shudder, Pluto. All kinds of options for you if you're so inclined to check it out, which I think both Chris and I would agree we highly recommend that you do. 
Absolutely. And then my number one, Matt, currently featured, I think only on the Criterion channel, is uh, is it Synapse's 4K restoration, the uncut original version of Dario Argento's Suspiria. Mm. Is currently available. Uh, one of my favorite horror films, one of the films that got me into Italian horror, uh, about the young woman who goes to the um, ballet school, and um, turns out the school is run by a coven, coven, coven <laughs> of uh, witches, and uh, her friends and people start disappearing one by one as she kind of delves deeper into the mystery of the house and what's really happening there at that dance school. So uh, just all atmospherics again, lots of fantastic use of color of violence and gore and uh, everything that's like i think for me that's the pinnacle of italian horror and uh you can watch the 4k restoration which i do have the 4k disc i bought it on the steelbook on blu-ray when it first came out and then they announced the uh 4k itself which i bought then too it looks it looks the best i've ever seen it but if you don't want to you know fork over the money you can watch it on the criterion channel streaming right now it looks fantastic so uh that and i would say too if you haven't seen it the uh, remake on Amazon, pretty damn good, too. It is. It's pretty good. Although, again, another film where they release it on physical media very briefly, and now you can't get anywhere on, like, 4K anymore, at least in the U.S. Yeah. I, I bought it on Blu-ray when it came out. I don't think it was ever released in 4K domestically. Yeah. So I would buy that, I think, in 4K. Another one, too, that kills me that I, never, I didn't get in 4K, I think it was only released in Germany in 4K, is The Neon Demon. Mm. That was not released here in 4K. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, any honorable mentions, Matt? A whole bunch of other 80s uh, options out there for you. Uh, Sleepaway Camp, Night of the Comet, The Stuff, Return of the Living Dead. Fra- the Stuff, I love The Stuff. <laughs> the Frankenhooker, um, The Beyond, City of the Living Dead, Life Force, The Gate, and Society, if you really want to watch something effed up. Billy Warlock. We get a lot of Brian Yusna films on there. Good for you. Uh, I have a bunch of other Max ones. So if you have a Max subscription, you can go uh, all in. Uh, all the Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street movies, I believe, are all on Max. Mm. So you can watch those if you want to do yourself a little marathon. And uh, Ravenous on the Criterion channel, which is a great little cannibal film, if that's your bag, is good. I was really disappointed. I looked it up. The uh, 80s remake of The Blob is not streaming anywhere. That's you got to rent really? it. you got to pay. Wow, that's too bad. That's... Yeah, really disappointing. That's one of my favorite remakes and one of my favorite 80s horror films. And then, too, we did this one for the show. kind of came and went. It didn't get a lot of publicity or love, I think. But I'm a big fan of The Lodge, mm. which is uh, about a young uh, young woman kind of marries into this family. Uh, the family splits up, right? Mom takes her own life. And then they basically try, they start to attempt to gaslight their new stepmother, and things go horribly, horribly wrong. Right. And uh, I think that's pretty good, too. And that's uh, also on Max. So good times, Matt. Any other recommendations for us to stream this holiday season? We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, what should we be streaming? Streaming? What are we talking about next week? Well, as Chris puts it, because we're in the holiday season... I love that we refer to Halloween as the start of the holiday season. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, we're going to check out, against all of our better judgment, The Exorcist Believer, and uh, a Spanish horror film that has a whopping two shows this weekend up here in Connecticut that I will try and fit in somehow. Uh, when Evil something. When Evil what, Chris? Lurks. When Evil Lurks. Thank lurks, you. Lurks, I believe. Okay, there you go. So we are going to stick with the theme of spooky season for at least one more week. Good times. I appreciate that. Good. In the meantime, uh, check us out. Go to thefirstrun.com. You can find archives of all the old shows and the report card, which will be updated at some point, I imagine, by somebody. Uh, and then you can check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Do a search for The First Run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you'll find us. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. Matt, I just got some new uh, movies in from my good friends over at Viper Video. I uh, picked up the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers on Blu-ray, which I only owned on DVD. Nice. I've, I've had a hankering to do like an Invasion of the Body Snatchers marathon, just watch all four films again. And then um, Tombs of the Blind Dead, mm. the uh, classic Spanish horror films about the uh, zombie kind of ghost Knights of the Templar who like to eat people. <laughs> and then finally, a film I have not seen, but I've heard is very good and big on atmospherics and unsettling uh, messiah of evil okay um i think from radiance i was able to get my hands on the limited edition version of it which i think is already out of print 
and you're going to pay a pretty penny for it, but I had pre-ordered it on the uh, say-so of the uh, Fine Folks at Viper video, so hopefully I haven't been steered wrong on that one. Interesting. So those are the latest and greatest. I did get Impulse, too, which I have to try and watch maybe for the show, which is the uh, it's the PG-rated William Shatner serial killer oh, movie. Nice. Nice. So, uh, yeah. It's, I don't know if you've ever seen the trailer no. for that. It looks... Oh, do yourself a treat. All right. <laughs> Give yourself a treat and watch that. <laughs> um, in the meantime... Oh, you know what I picked up, too? Because I've always wanted to see it. The uh, Wolfman on Blu-ray, because it includes the director's cut. Uh, this is the Benicio Del Toro, Anthony okay. Hopkins one. Yeah. And I've heard the director's cut is actually really good. Interesting. That the studio hacked it up to for the theatrical version okay. and i got it for like four bucks okay. and it's like almost impossible to find interesting so i'm gonna have to check that out at some point too in the meantime i guess we'll go ahead and take an extended break so uh everybody i can't find my soundboard i am going to vamp where are you there we go found it so go ahead take care of yourselves we love you very much and we will see you all soon take care Sickness, sickness, away with it, away with trouble, death, death, death.